You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You said how emotional it is, you know, for you being back here. But after the last year in Houston, for you as a football player, what is it like to kind of have this stability now and, and be on a championship contender once again? Uh, I can breathe again. Uh, you know, I'm. I've, I've seen the other side. <laughs> and I'm excited to be back here, and I, I'm excited. I, I'm smiling. It's funny. My teammates say, you act like you just got out of prison. I said, well, you know, uh, I'm, I'm very, very, very excited to be here. Green Bay is like a Fortune 500 company, and uh, the Texans are a new franchise. They're a startup that's, that's figuring out their way. I'm very excited for them as well. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update and new podcast, Football for Idiots. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from OTAs to training camp. We got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Is there a music playing on your end? My phone is ringing. Sorry. I'm not answering. We're Go off ahead. to a roaring stop. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> roaring stop. Yeah. All righty. So listen, Gil, there was a bunch of. Big news that happened this week, and we are not going to cover it because we're not a news podcast. There's plenty of other fantastic Packers podcasts out there that we would love to recommend to you that'll cover all the Aaron Rodgers news, the Randall Cobb trade, uh, Devontae's unhappiness with his contract, all that good stuff. That's not what we're about. We are uh, boots on the ground, nitty gritty analysis, and that kind of stuff just doesn't fall into our wheelhouse. So we're going to uh, stick to training camp news and notes uh, and and talk about what uh, what we learned this week about the Packers and uh, this upcoming season. And we have a note here. So first game of the season is going to be against the Saints. Michael Thomas will not be playing. He didn't play last time against us either. Doesn't look good for him this year. Uh, Sean Payton, head coach down in New Orleans, uh, didn't talk a lot about it, but what he basically said, and he didn't sound too terribly pleased when he was talking about it, he said that Michael Thomas's surgery should have happened a lot sooner than it did. So Michael Thomas, uh, you know, Hopefully he'll make a full recovery, but he won't be there to play against the Packers week one, which should be kind of a blowout game anyways. That is still a really good roster, but they lost a lot of good pieces. They don't have uh, a quarterback, <laughs> which I think you kind of need to win little, games against big big rivals. Little details. Look, hey, uh, don't completely ignore Jameis Winston, but he's no Drew Brees. I don't, but I don't even think Jameis Winston's going to be the starter. I think that they would be a lot better if he was, but I think it's going to be Taysom Hill. Wow, wow, that'll—that's that, what I'm hearing. That'll be interesting. Uh, sticking with quarterbacks for a moment, uh, Blake Bortles and Jake Dolagala are gone. Jake Dolagala has already been picked up by the pa- uh, Patriots. I almost said Packers by the Patriots. 
And uh, so that leaves Kurt Benkert as the lone depth quarterback behind Rodgers and Love. Uh, I believe he has practice squad eligibility. You would expect the Packers probably to only keep two quarterbacks this year on the active roster. But it seems like they really like Kurt Benkert. It seems like he has um, been doing pretty decent and, and picking some stuff up in this offseason program. And uh, look forward to uh, seeing him hopefully stick around for a couple of years uh, in Green Bay. We'd like to see that. Yeah, no, I like uh, what he's shown so far. Shows a little promise, and he's got a great personality. He's a fun interview. Uh, well, let's see. Let's see what he can develop into down the road. The Packers signed offensive tackle Dennis Kelly. Uh, he started all 16 games of the regular season. I believe he also started in the uh the playoffs as well for the Titans last year. He visited the Texans and uh, apparently they offered more money than the Packers did, but he chose to come to green Bay instead. Um, Not a huge surprise that he thinks that the Packers are going to be better than the Texans this year. No, uh, I would say there's probably about 29 teams that'll probably be better (laughs) than the Texans this year. (laughs) So there's some interesting ramifications here because Dennis Kelly, uh, so, so Matt LaFleur talked about uh, where they might put Kelly, and it sounds like they're debating between right tackle and swing tackle, which would free up Billy Turner, potentially, to go play left tackle and kick Elton Jenkins back inside to his old left guard position. And I, I kind of like that move if... Uh, Dennis Kelly can get the job done. I here here's the thing. I think Elton Jenkins is going to do a better job at left tackle than Billy Turner. However, if you keep him inside at left guard, I like having him next to rookie Josh Myers starting at center as opposed to putting that rookie in between John Runyon and Lucas Patrick. I like having Elton Jenkins there to help him out a bit. Um uh, provide just some extra assistance in, in two ways, you know, in communication with Myers and also uh, with like double teams. I, I was trying to think of a, a good way to, to say that, but well, yeah, you, in, in zone blocking, you know, slide over and help them out. Right. Absolutely. And you need you need someone with experience to help them pick up stunts and, and all those kind of things as well. Uh, yeah, no, I, I it's an intriguing idea. And look, the Packers really needed to add another yes. piece at tackle. That was that was my concern with Bakhtiari, his status for Week One doubtful it or, or so up, doubtful. Uh, up in the air. Let's be kind and say up in the air. Uh, you have to be prepared, and I wasn't overly confident that you know they had enough depth at the tackle position coming into training camp. So I like this signing. I mean. This is, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, sort of the ideal thing. He's a veteran with experience. He he started 16 games last year. First time in his career, he was a starter. He's familiar with the Matt LaFleur offense during his time with the Titans when Matt LaFleur yep. was there as well. So that'll give him a little help picking up the system. And it gives us even more flexibility, even though I think we already have 12 offensive linemen who could play three positions each in training camp right now. Well, here's something else. Dennis Kelly is one of only two offensive tackles to play at least a thousand snaps last year. 
and not allow a single sack. I don't know who the other guy was. It was not David Bakhtiari. I know that much. Right. Um, don't know who it was. Uh, but I mean, that's impressive. It's the <laughs> now, uh, PFF was not like in love with how well he played last year. They gave him a 65.9. We'll call, we'll be, uh, generous and call it a 60 overall or a 60, uh, six. Oh, sorry. Overall grade. Um, his pass blocking is uh, what kind of drags that number a little bit down. He's a better run blocker than a pass blocker. Uh, at least he was last year. Look, 60 is average. So 66 is above average. And this was a dip for him grade wise. In 2019, he had a 71 overall grade, which is uh, above good. And his pass blocking was much better, a 75. So uh, looking back, uh, 2018, he was even better. He had a 75 overall grade, a 77 pass blocking grade. I'm not sure if this is a situation of just uh, you know playing that full season and being a starter all year. If that was what kind of dragged his his grade down a bit, and maybe he was better in uh, smaller sample size, I'm not really sure. Um, but the Titans' offensive line in general was not great last year. We 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 covered that a good bit when we were uh, doing our Titans preview last year when the Packers played them, and I believe Week 16 sounds right. Yes. So. Anyways, but he's he's a nice pickup, and this also gives them um, some nice depth again when Bakhtiari is back, because I think we would both agree that the number one reason we lost the NFC championship game was Bakhtiari's torn ACL. You don't have your all pro verging on maybe hall of fame level talent left tackle out there. Uh, the easily the second most important position on the roster after quarterback you don't have him out there, and Rick Wagner and Billy Turner struggled bad against uh, Tampa Bay's vaunted pass rush. No question about it. And look, you know, here's the thing, though. Uh, you know who this doesn't bode well for? Uh, ben Braden? <laughs> well, no, no, because ben, yeah, Ben Braden. Okay, it does take him back a little bit on the depth chart, but your favorite player and mine. The man with the unpronounceable name. Oh, look, <laughs> just cut him loose. Let Yash go play somewhere where they're actually going to give him snaps because the Packers are never going to give him snaps. You never even hear his name in training camp. You hear his name one time ever. And that is when they published the 53 man roster, his name shows up there and you're like, who? <laughs> <laughs> Get him out of here. Let, let him go somewhere where they're actually going to play him because I. I, I don't understand why they keep giving him a, him a roster spot year after year and never give him a single snap. That's just crazy to me. Well, I, I think that this indicates that they are not thrilled with his progress to the point where they're confident enough to give him those snaps. And I, I don't think it bodes well for his chances to make the roster this year. Well, Dennis Kelly really wanted to go to a contender. The Packers were actually really interested in him. Back when uh, free agency first opened up, Brian Gutekind said that they did not have any money to pay him back then. Uh, but now they do because they have sorted out uh, Aaron Rodgers' contract situation. Um, and speaking about another contract thing, uh, just touching on the Randall Cobb trade just for a second. We did give up a 2022 sixth round pick for him. But part of that is that Houston has to take on $3 million of Cobb's salary. So... 
currently his uh cap hit or his salary is 8.25 million which would leave 5.25 left over for the Packers to take on however we've we have heard from I believe Tom Silverstein that Randall Cobb has agreed to a new terms for his deal which includes a pay cut, and it's not hard to see why, because you heard at the beginning of the show how relieved he is to be out of Houston. Um, sounds like his total cap hit uh, for the Packers is going to be just under $3 million. So nice to hear that. Yeah, that's that's a number that's more, I think, in line with where he's at at this stage in his career. And mm-hmm. it's good that he was willing to work with the team. And that, that sounds like a win-win to me. Well, let's talk about how this affects the wide receiver room, because... Um, Brian Gutekunst was very clear that this was just a, well, uh, you know, a peace offering, a gift to Aaron Rodgers. This He did not bring in Randall Cobb because he felt that Randall Cobb was going to help the offense a ton. Now, Matt LaFleur came out and he put a glowing spin on it. And he you know said that Randall is going to be a great mentor for young Amari Rodgers. Uh, there's been a lot of comparisons made already about the similarity in their play style. But let's look at our wide receiver room. Previously, when we have gone over our 53 projection, we had just two receivers as surefire locks to make the 53, and that's Devontae Adams and Amari Rogers. Now you have to add Randall Cobb in there because, look, you can't, you're not going to bring Cobb into training camp as a favor to Aaron Rodgers and then not put him on the 53. Right. <laughs> You're not going to have a quarterback anymore. <laughs> he will walk. That. He will walk. <laughs> so you got three guys who are locks. So that means like if we are, we are projecting that the Packers will keep either five or six wide receivers. It would be unusual for them to keep more than that. They have done it twice in the last 10 years. Once was in 2016. Once was in 2018. Usually the number is five and occasionally it's six. I think looking at all the guys that they have there who you really want to stick around, it's really hard to put together just five because that's you're just cutting a lot of really just core players. That I think the, the Packers want around for a while. I don't know how much more uh, Randall Cobb has in the tank. This is and I think part of this is too. Aaron Rodgers thinks they're going to win a Super Bowl this year. And he wants to take Randall with him. He He's like, listen, we're going to the promised land. I want you along for the ride. We're going to get you a ring too. So you got, if we're, if we're thinking they're going to keep six wide receivers, that means you got MVS and Al Lazard are both trying to get on in that three. And I think they have a, a better shot than a lot of the guys. Devin Funches, very similar player to Al Lazard. Mm-hmm. Almost identical skill sets. So I think Lazard and Funchess may be battling each other for a roster spot. We'll have to pay attention to that battle in training camp. The Packers clearly love Al Lazard, but like you can't sleep on Funchess either. He's a good player. Yeah, and now the question is, do you have room? I, I think they also go with six receivers, but you know, now you you look at guy a guy like Juwan Winfrey. Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about next. Uh, and and Malik Taylor, you know, I thought one of them would probably make the team before the Randall Cobb deal. I don't think either one of them make the team now. Maybe they make the practice squad. But uh, but the other wild card to all of this, Randall Cobb doesn't stay healthy very often. 
And yeah. so, you know, you sort of have to put that into the take that into consideration when you're trying to figure all of this out. I hope he does. I mean, I I have always been a fan of Randall Cobbs, but to me, at this stage of of the situ uh, of his career, I don't think he adds a lot to this wide receiver group. It's there's an argument to be made that the wide receiver room is worse with him on the roster because yeah. Yeah. you are moving on from somebody else who can either give you more this year or can either give you more in the future. And Juwan Winfrey has been really impressing in training camp. I was surprised. Um, you you picked him last week as your uh, like depth guy to really show out and impress. And boy, was that a good call. <laughs> um I, look, I I think EQ is on the outside looking in. Malik Taylor, I, I don't think he adds anything to the offense. So his best shot is special teams. But there's a bunch of other guys that we know are are going to be additions to the special teams unit that weren't there last year. Right. Uh, Amari Rogers, Devondre Campbell, those guys are locks for special teams. Um. I don't think you're going to see Funches out there playing special teams. You know for a fact Randall Cobb will not be out doing special teams. In fact, uh, Thursday they had special teams drills, and Cobb was just sitting on the sideline talking to Devontae. So in case there was anybody out there who thought, yeah, maybe Cobb will be out there in special teams, heck no. Um, to me, uh, I think MVS and Lazard are both candidates for like a shocking cut. I think we would all be surprised, but also you'd say, oh, you know, somebody was going to have to not make it. So do the Packers think that somebody else has a higher ceiling and is worth investing more in for the future? Like, do the Packers feel like they have seen everything MBS has to offer or do they think he can continue to develop? And that's that's not a question that I think you and I can answer. That's something that uh, Jason Vrabel, Nathaniel Hackett, and Matt LaFleur are going to have to answer. Yeah, and they are. But, you know, what I think is going to happen, uh, at least what I think it, the, that Brian Gutekunst and company are going to try to make happen, is they're going to look to trade one of these veteran receivers in order, whether it's EQ or Funches or mvs or lazard one of those four guys they're going to try maybe to get back that six round pick that they uh you know unloaded in order to get randall cobb so do, do you think there's a team out there that would give them a six round pick for whoever the best out of those guys is yeah I, I i think there is uh the only problem with that is you know the teams know the Packers are probably going to have to cut one of one or more of them loose. But then, you know, obviously they go through the waiver procedure and you don't have necessarily first crack at signing these players. So I, I think it'd be worth a six or a seven for a team to take a flyer on one of those veteran receivers. Well, we'll see. I uh, put me down as skeptical about that one, but uh, time will tell. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So looking at the tight end room, we have some some things of note here. So Josiah DeGuara is on the pup list. He can't practice. Also, Dominique Daphne is now on the pup list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which I didn't see that one coming. I'll be honest. Um, so Jay Sternberger is still there. He is now tight end three behind Tanya and Lewis. Uh, you still have Isaac Nauta, Bronson Confuci. Uh, Jay Sternberger is having a rough training camp so far. Not that that says everything. 
Um, it's been but, two two days, right? I mean, right, yeah, right. He he had a drop pass. That was his his first play in training camp. Rogers took him aside and had a private conversation with him for kind of a while. Uh, I don't know if he was giving him some encouragement, giving him some, you know, uh, explaining to him what the expectations of that play were. Not sure. Uh, definitely keep continue to keep your eyes on Jace, who is suspended for the first two games of the year. I don't think he's getting cut at this point. I really don't. Uh, but it is make or break season for him and potentially make or break off season for him as well. I agree. I, you know, it's, it's his third training camp with the team and it's time for him to start showing some of that potential that made him a third round pick back in 2019. We got six other guys who are on the non-football injury list. Zadarius Smith, Kevin King, Kingsley Kiki, Will Redmond, Henry Black, and Tipiglia all failed their uh, physicals. However, I then later saw that uh, the very next day, Tipigalea did pass his physical. So still got six guys that six, one, two, three, four. You got five guys still on non-football injury list. Um, and there are two players who I'll mention right away who uh, I think are seeing massive, uh, what do you call it? Benefits of these absences. First off, Eric Stokes is taking reps with the ones, mm-hmm. but that's because Kevin King isn't even, isn't even able to practice right now. So the other guy is TJ Slayton with Kingsley Kiki out. TJ Slayton has been getting reps with ones as well. And this is my first opportunity to really see him out there doing drills. Woo. Yeah. That is, that is an impressive boy. He is is a fast, a fast man too. So yeah, he's scary. I saw, uh, here it is. Here's the note from Andy Herman, Jake Hansen and Simon Stepniak double team TJ Slayton and it does nothing. Slayton was still moving in a positive direction. He's going to be tough to handle. Is this is this Gravedigger 2.0? I mean, is this, <laughs> you know, BJ Raj? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's uh, uh all I'm all I'm asking for is give me Mike Daniels 2.0 because I, I'll take I, that. I just want somebody who is uh freeing up Kenny Clark to go be the wrecking machine that he was in 2018. That's all I'm asking for. I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. And then, you know, assuming Kingsley Kiki is healthy in time to start the season, you could imagine him benefiting as well if they're all on the lineup at the same time. Here's somebody else who has been having a fantastic training camp. This is officially my breakout player for the year. I think that this is going to be the year Rashawn Gary earns himself a reputation. He has been unblockable. He's beaten up Billy Turner multiple times. He beat up Mercedes Lewis. You can't stop the guy. He got a, uh, you know, what would have been a sack on Aaron Rodgers today had they been allowed to actually sack. The guy. I think this is his breakout year. Um, this has been the guy who, back to uh, voluntary OTAs and mandatory minicamp, uh, Rashawn Gary was the guy that every other defensive player couldn't help but bring up in their press conferences. I, I love this kid's potential. We have seen his raw athletic ability. Look, since he since he left high school and was so highly regarded heading to the University of Michigan, I like his work ethic. I like his intelligence, his football intelligence as well. Um, and yeah, this is a great opportunity for Rashawn Gary to really create, you know, to assert himself and take charge 
and take that big step forward that we all know he's capable of doing. Here's somebody else who's taking a step forward. Preston Smith seems to be motivated by this uh, contract that's all incentive-laden. Looks like maybe we're going to get the 2019 Preston Smith back. Hmm? Uh, Preston I, Smith. I take I take three quarters of it. You know, I, I <laughs> he doesn't have to get 12 sacks. Give me eight. Give me nine. That, that'd be fine. And you, you, you pencil in Gary for 10 and Zedarius for a dozen or so. And uh, then whatever Kenny Clark and Kingsley Kiki can give you. There's a lot of options for the pass rush on this team. Yeah, here's another note from Andy Herman. Preston Smith standing up over the center, a la Zadarius Smith. Knife through for a pressure, which almost leads to a Jair interception, who had great coverage on Jay Sternberger. Uh, show me the money. That's 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 what happened. Uh, money talks. Preston Smith wants to earn all those bonuses, and the Packers want him to as well. Um, I, I, I think no question about it. Pass rush should be back to, uh, 2019 standards might even get better. We'll see. Uh, gotta see what Joe Barry can do. Uh, since we're talking about Joe Barry in the defense, Kenny Clark had a little bit to say about it. He said, uh, there's a ton of things being introduced into the defense and the challenge is staying up with all the daily additions Barry is presenting. He said during the OTAs, uh, that more relaxed atmosphere allowed for a good base knowledge, but now the heat is on. Uh, he also added, though, that although they are uh, bringing in a bunch of wrinkles and um, uh, new verbiage and all that, there's nothing that he hasn't seen before. Kenny Clark is a smart guy. He's been around for a while. Uh, and and uh, he's also, this is not really really, but still a Kenny Clark thing. We've talked about the fact that he has slimmed down a lot. Mm -hmm. I think the Packers have some interest in playing him a little bit more like a defensive end this year, possibly. Yeah, and I, I think that you know Slayton will allow him to move away from the nose on a number of different occasions, and that again, you know, we always talk when we talk about the Packers, both on offense and on defense, about deception and and making the simple look complex and causing. In, in this case, the offense to hesitate, to not know which players are going to do what at the snap of the ball. And this just gives them more options to do exactly that. Well, defense and special teams both seem uh, revitalized. Uh, heard that uh, Mo Drayton and Joe Barry both have a fantastic energy and the players are excited and bought in. I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, another special teams note, Devondre Campbell, who has been taking um, number one snaps at inside linebacker next to Chris Barnes. Those, those are the guys. Uh, Devondre Campbell is also getting first team reps on punt coverage. Mm -hmm. Not shocking, but uh, one thing to remember about, about Devondre Campbell, he is an athletic freak. Uh, almost puts like Oren Burks to shame except that Devondre Campbell also has some like head knowledge to go along with it. Yeah. And I, I think he was a great pickup for this team. I, I really do, do. And, and you know, those are the kind of, of guys you sign who don't make a lot of headlines and a lot of fans are like, Oh, okay, I guess, you know, that's nice. But, but come the time when this, you know, the season gets started and everything is going, 
he's a guy who's not going to make a lot of headlines, but probably the coaches and the scouts will really appreciate what he brings to the table. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh man, I just got so many great defensive notes. Like I don't want to spend too much time talking about any one thing. Randy Ramsey showing out again. Uh, he got a pressure. Uh, he also got, uh, he, he knocked a ball out of the air on a Jordan love pass. Really nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, what else on defense here? I just keep scrolling through note after note after note about Rashawn Gary. He's just beating the heck out of everybody. He beat up Elton Jenkins. Remember uh, Elton Jenkins basically sat on Aaron Donald and didn't let him do anything. He had one quarterback hurry, no sacks in that playoff game. Aaron Donald was shut down. Rashawn Gary just beat him in the ground. I mean, it is training camp, you know, what, what are you going to say? But uh, also at safety Packers showing a three safety nickel look with Adrian Amos in the box. This is something that we first heard about back at uh, OTAs. We, we mentioned that Vernon Scott is that third safety. He's back deep with Darnell Savage. KB on Ento having a good camp. Uh, that was my guy that I picked last week to show out. Uh, certainly has not, um, uh, shown out anywhere near to the level that Juwan Winfrey had. He's the other guy who pops up everywhere in all these notes, but he did have really great coverage on Amari Rogers on a play that was uh, noted by a couple people watching. Overall, I'm just really excited about the defense. We already know the offense is going to be good. I'm excited to see the defense kind of get back to form here. Yeah, me too. And it's, it's, you know, I think the defense, there's a lot more unknowns, especially with a new coordinator in Joe Barry, but it's exciting. And here's the thing about the defense that I think fans have to keep in mind because we have a new coordinator, new terminology, things that are being done differently. I am looking at this as we may struggle a little bit in preseason. We may struggle a little bit in September into October even, but watch what happens in the second half of the season when this system becomes second nature for these guys and they get really comfortable in it. That's to me going to be the key for the defense. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's been our, our tone all along is that we thought that there might be a slow start to the season but that they should really find their way as it progresses. And, um, you know, that's something that we also said about Eric Stokes, that we think that to start the season, you're probably looking at Kenny or Kenny, uh, Kevin King as CB2, but we expect Eric Stokes to, to probably win it by, you know, at least by the middle of the season. Got some more notes on offense we should probably go over. Uh, here's a stat from Pack Daddy that I love. The Texans and Packers last year had two players in the top 10 of passer rating when targeted in man coverage. You with me? I'm with you. All right. The Texans now have just one, but the Packers have three out of those top 10. <laughs> Devontae, Devontae Adams is ranked fifth. Actually, uh, these three guys, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Devontae, Cobb, and Lazard. Uh, three guys in the top 10. Passer rating when targeted in man coverage. The Packers are going to be very hard to play man against this year, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. And that, look, you know what? The more the more guys you have like that, the tougher it is to defend against them. So bring it. Bring it. Uh, you know what? We need to talk about running backs here. Patrick Taylor, a guy I've been very high on. He's on the pup list. Yeah. Uh, disappointed to hear. 
Uh, maybe he comes back, but I, I think this is a bad sign for Patrick Taylor, who has struggled to stay healthy ever since he injured his foot in college. I don't know what injury he's dealing with right now, but uh, that's a bad sign. And in his absence, both Kylan Hill and Dexter Williams are looking very good. Um, Dexter Williams, one uh, on Thursday, one of the first notes of camp. Dexter Williams with a nice twisting falling catch away in the back of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers, showing off his hands. A.J. Dillon also showing off his hands uh, today. He uh, he can catch. He, can, he really can catch balls, and he looks good doing it. Um, I've been saying for a while that A.J. Dillon can catch. Seems to be backing up uh, that statement uh, in training camp here. Nice to see those running backs uh, showing off their skills as a receiver because you know Matt LaFleur, especially in 2019, but also uh, a lot in the first half of 2020, really liked mixing in those running backs into the passing game. Yeah, and, you know, always with the younger running backs on this team, the two things that make the difference between them seeing the field and not seeing the field is your is your ability to be a pass receiver and a pass blocker. Uh-huh. All, all these guys can run. So, you know, if you see Dexter Williams and you see A.J. Dillon getting things done as receivers and as blockers, that's the key to them getting more playing time and getting the confidence of the coaching staff. Uh, there's a note that I totally forgot to put in here, so I don't remember the exact wording of it, but... Um, the gist of it was that Dexter hesitated a little bit on a play and it was the right call because it allowed a big hole to open up that he shot through. And it was like an, an example of some nice vision that we haven't really seen from him in the past. So, uh, you know, at first that play like doesn't look good. Cause it's like, uh, you know, you really want somebody who's really decisive like Aaron Jones well, Aaron Jones has that vision too, and he's decisive when when the right opportunity is there. and And he'll wait a second, bounce outside if he needs to. And nice to see that Dexter Williams uh, is continuing to progress in the mental game as well. Kylan Hill showing off his skills as a runner. I didn't see anything about him in the passing game. Uh, still, my my massive uh, concern with him from day one has been. Oh, you know what? Here is uh, Jordan Love did hit Kylan Hill in the end zone for a uh, uh, passing touchdown. So, um, but my my massive concern about Kylan Hill has always been his pass blocking ability. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. All told, uh, I'm starting to maybe expect the Packers to keep four running backs. Wow. Um, I I just I I. Air, uh, Matt LaFleur really loves his running backs, and I think that uh, these guys can also really contribute on special teams as well. It just makes a lot of sense that you want depth. Look at how many games last year we were nervous about uh, because we were missing running backs. Uh, the, the 49ers game, we almost didn't have Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams, and then Aaron Jones got activated with like what felt like seconds left before the game began. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was a little nerve wracking to say the least. But yeah, I mean, you know what? The more that we talk about this stuff today, the more you realize a the Green Bay Packers roster this year is talented and deep, and b it's the best in the league. It's up there. It's if it's not the best in the league, it's in the top three or four at most. And the other thing is. 
they are going to have to let go some players that can probably mm-hmm. really, really help some other teams when we get down to the cuts in September. I, I think you're maybe looking at like the Cleveland Browns as maybe the other option for most talented roster in the league. Um, I Look, I like what the Rams have going, but they're extremely top heavy. They have like no depth anywhere. We've already seen, uh, you know, Cam Akers is hurt and maybe can't play this year. Right. And they, they like don't have a running back option. They got Daryl Henderson. Um, so, you know, this is maybe some extra incentive to hold on to some of these guys who you think, uh, you know, like, uh, Kylan Hill, Dexter Williams, I'm not sure. Somebody who might get picked up by another team in the NFC, just there's, there's, there's a big part of me that is more willing to let go of like a Devin Funchess than one of these depth running backs. Um, that we really might end up leaning on later. I just think that that depth that we have is so vital. And I think there's some positions where we can coast by missing a couple guys more easily than others. And I think wide receiver is a position that we have some options at running back. I just think we need to keep that room really stocked and, and, uh, Kylan Hill was a seventh round pick. I don't think you can safely cut him and expect to get him back in the practice squad. Dexter Williams, I'm positive by now, after three years, has used up all of his practice squad eligibility. These are just things to consider. Yeah, these are things that uh, that's why, you know, Brian Gutekunst and, and guys like that get the big bucks. These are the tough decisions that they have to make come crunch time. And you know what? As a fan, as a, someone who covers this team, these are good problems to have. All right. we You know, there's just a bajillion more awesome notes but let's let's just touch on one last training camp topic, and that is how bought in is Aaron Rodgers. Um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but he said that I think the exact quote was, "I wouldn't be here if I wasn't 100 percent all in." Mm-hmm. And he seems like his same old self in training camp. He's uh, taken a lot of time to talk to young players, uh, including the quarterbacks. He spent a lot of time with Kurt Benkert and Jordan Love. Uh, coaching them up, giving them some pointers, uh, working out with them, and working out with with uh, a bunch of other guys too. And unlike even there's notes about uh, some of his interactions with uh, just the uh, offensive assistants, uh, like the ball boys. Like he's dialed in, and I, I think he really cares about his teammates a lot. I'm just not concerned. I think he's here to win a Super Bowl. I'm I'm excited about this. The one thing I wasn't worried about throughout this holdout is that Aaron Rodgers would not be motivated if he returned to the team. And look, that could change if things get ugly again between him and the front office philosophically. And I'll put that in air quotes if you want. But in my mind, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a self-motivated kind of a guy and I'm not concerned that he won't be ready to play. Hey, can we talk about the rest of the NFL for a minute? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I want to get your thoughts on who you see as being contenders this year. I've broken up the teams into the, in the league into some tiers and I want to run through these with you and um, just compare notes. Okay. To start it off, I have the dumpster fire division, (laughs) dumpster fire tier. Yep. All right. These are the teams that I think are going to be competing for the number one pick in the draft. Um, You have it. I think that like moving up or down 
one tier is possible, like with some luck. You know, if everything just goes your way and you're like able to put it together and you have a good, uh, good chemistry and you start winning some extra games, um, you know, I think you can move up or down like a tier, or yeah. maybe if you and if then you, uh, are plagued by injury. Right. That was uh, that was was what I was about to say. Injury is always sort of the wild card in all of this. So my my dumpster fire tier, I have the Detroit Lions, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Texans, the Eagles, and the Jets. I think those five teams are going to be awful. Uh, with the Texans, I you know there's a bit of a question about like is Deshaun Watson going to be playing for him this year? I think the answer is no. But even if he is, I just don't know if there's anything here uh, to help him out. It's Deshaun and nothing. It, and, and there's a lot of turmoil around that team. So, yeah, I, I would say you're right on that. All right. Next tier up. This is I'm calling this the elimination tier. These are the guys. These are the teams who like in week 16 or so, um, you know, they're like trying to get that last wild card spot. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, they have some talented players, but maybe some coaching issues. Maybe they don't have a quarterback. So we got Carolina Panthers, the Jaguars. I th- I think Urban Meyer is a good coach. I think he's going to put something together. I have him like six or maybe seven wins max. Mm. I, I don't think they're making the playoffs. No, I, I would have actually put them down a tier, uh, at least in his first year. But we'll see. We'll see. I have the Denver Broncos. Broncos, they have a good roster, but I don't believe in Drew Locke. I don't believe in Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think they're going to get anything done. No, I think you're right about that. The Saints and the Falcons. Look, the Saints still have a decent roster, but they don't have a quarterback. We already talked about the, them at the beginning of the show. You know my opinion on that. Yep. Falcons. Falcons is like maybe. Like, they do have some pieces. I think they can still put together a good offense if they can trot out like a a competent defense this is a wild card team and i think arthur smith is a good coach but he's a first time head coach i just i i just don't think that they have what it takes to make the playoffs mhm i agree and then the last team i have here is the chicago bears and the reason i have them here is because of the defense i think the defense is really going to fall off this year you know they don't have uh Sean Desai is their new defensive coordinator. He's never been a coordinator before. He's like just been a coach for a few years, honestly. And they've lost a lot of talent. And the guys that they do have there uh, are getting older and have been progressively getting worse every single year for the last few years. I just think that like this year, maybe the offense takes a step forward and it's finally too late and the defense can no longer give them because who they've been for the last like four or five years is the defense is so locked down good that if you can just get a slightly below average performance out of your offense, then you can win the game and it's going to be a low scoring game. And I just think like the offense has taken a step forward finally and and the defense is no longer there to to keep them there. I think they're they're like, uh, you know, on the, on the Panthers level. I would move them up one level from there, but it's close. They're sort of in between the wild card level and the eliminated level. I, I I could see the Bears either making or missing the playoffs after game 17, but still being in it in that final game. Another reason why I have them down a tier is just because so many other teams 
I feel like have moved up this year. And yeah. so like the competition was horrific last year. The Bears got into the playoffs because like who else were you going to hand a playoff spot to? <laughs> Certainly so, not but, anyone in the NFC East. So <laughs> Oh, heck no. So here's here's my wild card tier, all right? Um and I'm calling them wild card because like you know that I'm not I'm not talking about like oh you have a you know 16 and 1 division rival and so you just get in um even though you're a fantastic team just because uh you know you couldn't win your division it, this is more like the you know that that real lower like the oh you got 8 wins and so you technically get in but like whoever gets to play you is really happy about it these are borderline playoff teams exactly yeah so i have i have the vikings i think that their defense is going to be a lot better than last year can't be and worse I think, and i think their offense is going to be really good maybe better than last year i think that i think that there was a real shot that the vikings were going to win the division without rodgers being here but I don't think they stack up amazing against the rest of the of the conference. Yeah, I think I think if Rodgers didn't show up, they the Vikings would have been sort of the co-favorites or the team that I would have picked to give the Packers the most difficulty. But uh, yeah, I, I think you've got them right about where they ought to be. Well, and, and they got a new defensive coordinator this year as well. Yes. Uh, Gary Kubiak's son, Clint Kubiak, taking over. It was a bad defense last year. I think you made it a little bit better this year. You got some guys coming back who were gone last year. I, I I think that the Vikings probably have a bright future, but I think that they really would need things to fall their way to be a, a really lethal team this year. Uh, up next, I have Washington football team. Um, they have had a pretty awesome defense. I think that defense is just going to get better this year. And they, I think that they have really upgraded their quarterback position, which isn't hard to do because they <laughs> didn't have a quarterback last year. But you got, you got, um, oh, I'm thinking of his big bearded face right now. I've said his name a thousand times. Fitz, uh, Fitz Magic. Fitzpatrick. There you go. Fitz Magic. Yeah. They got Fitz Magic in there. I think they're going to be good. And they got uh, Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin are going to be playing together. These are uh, old college buddies. Um, they're they're going to be fantastic. Uh, playing wide receiver together here. I, I think that the uh, Washington team is going to be really solid. Um, and uh, I have the 49ers here as well. Well, they're and... healthy again. That's the big thing for the 49ers. Last year, they were devastated by injuries. And I think there's more talent on that roster than last year's record indicated. Yeah, I, I just here's my thing with the 49ers is we hear every single year that we need to watch out for them. Um, but look here, here's their records over the last, uh, ever since Shanahan has been their head coach. Ready? Yep. Six and 10, four and 12, 13 and three, six and 10. So they have only hit seven or more wins one time in his four years there. I just, I'm just kind of tired of being told to watch out for the 49ers. Like, could they do it? Yeah, they have a they have a fantastic pass rush. They have all the pieces. But like when three out of the last four years, we've been told that they're going to be just insane. And then only one year has that actually happened. I just I need that. I need to see it from them first in order to believe it. 
I, I can understand that. Look, two out of the last three years, their quarterback, and I think their second-string quarterback, has gone down as well. So that has a lot to do with it. And the one year that, that uh, they got at least competent quarterback play, they, they went all the way to the Super Bowl. So uh, to me, this is a team that I, I think you've got them in the right spot, but you know, I, I'm a little more uh, confident in them this year than I guess you are. I think they have the ability to get there. I just need to see it first. Fair enough. Fair enough. I have the Patriots in the same tier. Mm-hmm. Uh, what people, what nobody seems to recall, and I was like screaming this from the rooftops last year before the season started, they lost everybody. They had by far the most COVID opt-outs of any team, and this was like really important players. They lost everybody. They also, they were in salary cap hell, and so they had to cut a bunch of guys as well. Um, I think they really have reloaded. They went out and spent a bunch of free agency. I I think they're making the playoffs again this year. Um, You know, a lot is going to depend on Cam Newton. He has to be better than he was last year. Uh, I've been saying for like three years that I didn't think Cam was good anymore, and I I think his performance last year maybe kind of proved that to a lot more people. But he's been good before. They do have Mac Jones there. I, I, I think I think quarterback play is going to hold him back. But the rest of the roster might be good enough to get him into the playoffs. And they still do have Bill Belichick, and that's nothing to sneeze at. Cowboys are in the same tier for me. Uh, Dak Prescott maybe is hurt again already, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But we'll yeah. we'll see. Uh, the rest of their roster is still is pretty good. Uh, I, I I do think Mike McCarthy is a good coach. I I just don't love his offensive scheme, but they have a new defensive coordinator in there that might get something done this year. I have him in the wild card tier. They're not in my like playoff lock tier. No, nah, I would I would put him in that wild card tier as well. The other th- the other tough thing for them is they have two other teams in their division who I think are going to be really good. Well, I don't think there are any teams in that division that are going to be really good. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I think that, you know, someone will win that division with nine or ten wins. Which is a heck of a lot better than last year when I think altogether they may be added up to a total of like nine or ten. Wins. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Chargers in this in this tier as well. Uh, Justin Herbert, I think, is really good. Yeah. Uh, um, the arrow is pointing upward. They they just have they have what it takes to be really good this year. It's on the coaching, and they got a new coach this year. Yep. Uh, Cardinals. Um, I have them here because I kind of think they're crap. Everybody else <laughs> that I have talked to thinks that they're going to be freaks. I think I think they're going to be freaks one week this year. Um, mm-hmm. Well, maybe like three. Like you know, when they play this, when they play the Seahawks both times, and then when they play the Packers, they're going to be just out of this world good. And I think that they're going to miss the playoffs. I really do. I have them. I have them this wild card tier, but like, I I think that I think that they're just kind of a chaotic mess, and I don't I don't I don't believe what they have going on there. No, I I I think you've got them in the right tier as far as wild card goes. Uh, still not sold on Kyler Murray, to be honest with you. And that's one of the big things for me as well. Like he was better last year. But I don't think he's going to lead him to the promised land. I, I I don't think that Kyler Murray, unless something really changes, I don't think Kyler Murray is ever going to win a Super Bowl as a starter. No, I don't think so either. Okay, uh, we got the Raiders as well. And this is a team that maybe I have in the wrong tier because, like, they can't ever put it together. But I think they have some good 
I think they have, I don't think they have a fantastic roster, but Gruden's been getting some really good results out of them, even when they were a worse roster than they are now. Yeah, I think you got them tiered right about where they ought to be. They they are a team that, you know, they're good but not great, and they kind of hang around but don't dominate. You got to remember, they had a brutal schedule last year, just really tough down the stretch there. And um, for a while, they really looked like they were going to make the playoffs, but uh, then, then they played the stretch of like six games against the league's best teams and just couldn't, couldn't get, couldn't it sustain anymore. it. No, no. I, and I also have the Colts in this, in this tier. And I, again, I think this is one of the better rosters in football. I think they're a little bit lacking depth across the board, but they have some really quality starters, but I do not believe in Carson Wentz. And I think the quarterback play is going to hold them back again. You know, I'm not sold on Carson Wentz either. And, and yeah, I agree that, uh, you know, they're good, but they're not very good. All right. I'm going to move up to my, like, playoff lock tier. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is, in my opinion. So I think the Steelers belong here. I agree. I think the Seahawks belong here. Mm-hmm. And then you might hate the rest of my picks for this tier, all right? I have the Rams here. And I already mentioned the reason I don't believe in the Rams is because of – like they're really top heavy and they don't have the depth. Right. And I, I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs. I think they'll win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I think Matthew Stafford is going to be crazy good. Definitely buy into this team for fantasy football. But they, they just, I don't think that they have any insurance at all against injury. Like you start losing a guy here, a guy there, your season might be over. It, it's a tightrope that they have to walk. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with you putting him in that tier. Now, I also have the Buffalo Bills here, and I debated pretty heavily about if they belong here or in the next tier up. I put them in I the just, next tier up myself. Here, here's my thing with Buffalo. I, I think that their defense is not getting better. Their defense in 2019 was incredible. No question they have one of the best offenses, you know, probably second or third best offense in the league. But that defense, I think, is getting worse, and it was bad last year. Well, I, I think... I think they're good enough to keep things close with that offense being as good as it is. Uh, I I think they're the best team in their division and one of the best teams in the AFC. All right. So this one's definitely debatable. I I knew putting them in this tier was going to be an unpopular decision. Uh, I have the chiefs here as well. Yeah. Uh, I would move them up a category and I'll just say two words, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, let's, Let's start and end with that. And he's got so many weapons on that offense as well. And he's got some. He's got uh, Tyreek is very good. Travis Kelsey is very, very good. good. Yeah. Who else does he have? I don't. There, there's nobody else. You got two guys. Well, you Sa- know, Sammy Watkins is gone. Right. We haven't seen anything out of Nicole Hardman except for him being a fantastic punt returner. Uh, Denard Robinson is nothing. Well, the I other. Mean, I, hopefully, Denard's not listening to this show. I'm not trying to be mean to him. <laughs> Well, you know, the the other thing is uh, when we last saw the Chiefs, their big problem was they were out of offensive tackles. And I think their offensive line has been rebuilt and revamped, and that'll help. And, and I like uh, Edward Tillaire. I think it has. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not, a, not a believer in Edward Tillaire at all. Okay. Um, I, I like Andy Reid's running scheme. I don't like... Edward Zillaire as a, as a running back. I, I think he has the potential in that scheme, especially to be very uh, productive. 
and I think you will be. Okay, so I put the Chiefs in this tier because I, I, I just believe in that, and I am not afraid to look silly for a few months and then see if maybe I end up being proven right. So th- <laughs> this is when I, I knew nobody was going to be happy with me putting him here, and I, I just I, I couldn't live with myself if I just went with the crowd as opposed to doing what I actually believe in. So I have the Chiefs there, and then I have two teams here that uh, might be unpopular for the opposite reason. I have the Dolphins and the Giants. I think that these two teams, if they and I think they have the same problem, each of them, and that is quarterback uncertainty. If Daniel Jones and Tua Tungvaloa can put it together, I think that these teams are going to be really not fun to play against. But there are definitely some questions about the quarterbacks there, but I still have them in my playoff lock tier. I would keep the Dolphins there. I would move the Giants down to the wild card tier. That might be fair. I just think the the Giants have a freakish uh, defense. I think their offensive line is a lot better than they get credit for. And they finally have some receivers for Daniel Jones to throw to. Now, here's the thing with Jones. He's got to get those interceptions down. He had 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions last year. That's that's not going to cut it. And the fumbles as well. Yeah, so ball security, that's going to be a big thing for him. If he can turn that around, I think that this team, I think the defense can keep him in it. Yeah, well, I, I think the defense is good, but I think the reason, you know, that I, the only argument I have for putting them in that playoff tier is that they play in such a weak division that they should make the playoffs. But I, I would rank them more in the wild card level if you're looking at the overall talent on this team. Look, here's what I think of the NFC East. I think the Giants are uh, have the potential to be very good. I think Washington has the potential to just be a scary good team. And both of those, I think, hinge on their defenses um, and then have the offense try and keep up with the defense. I think that uh, the Cowboys have the pieces but won't put it together. Right. And I think that the Eagles are going to be one of the very worst teams in all of football. They're going to be pretty dreadful. I agree. I agree. All right, let's move up to my superpower tier, and we're running out of time. We're pushing up against an hour, but I just want to get these out, okay? Yep. All right. Obviously, you got to put the Buccaneers here. I mean, they just won the Super Bowl, and they brought everybody back, and you got Tom Brady going into his second year in this scheme. Yeah. The Buccaneers are the team to beat. No argument from me. Titans? Any any reason to think the Titans should not be in this tier? No, no argument from me. All right. Now I have the Baltimore Ravens. And a big part of this is going to hinge on Lamar Jackson being better. Get back to your 2019 form. Uh, They got him a bunch of great weapons on offense. Uh, Sammy Watkins is there. They drafted, uh, was it Rashad Bateman? Mm -hmm. Um, He has has better receivers to throw to this year that could maybe uh, help some of those incompletion numbers. Uh, Do the Ravens belong in the superpowers tier? Yeah, it's close, but I would put them there, yes. All right. Now, I have the Cleveland Browns here. Yeah, I don't agree with that one. I just think they have – I think that either the Packers or the Browns have the best roster in football, and Baker Mayfield finally put it together at the end of the year. For the last uh, six weeks, I believe, of the season last year, he was uh, one of the three best quarterbacks in the league by PFF. Uh, he played extremely well. Uh, Kevin Stefanski was the uh, uh, brand new head coach last year, implementing a new offense. And 
they're heading into his second season. This is going to be an opportunity for him to like think about the Matt LaFleur offense in Green Bay from 2019 to 2020. And once the players had really understood the playbook, including Aaron Rodgers, he, it, it, it took him some time to get into the rhythm of the offense as well. I think this is going to be a really good offense and their defense last year took a big step back. So that I think is going to be their thing to really work on. But I don't think you can point to any other team in the league, probably including the Packers, who have more pieces to work with. Like it, it all comes down to coaching. If the coaches can get it right, and I think they have a great coaching staff there now, they have every tool that they need in order to make it happen. Well, I have a couple of concerns. You mentioned the defense. That is still a concern. I am less sold on Baker Mayfield's hot finish. I think he has the potential but I'm still not sold that he is that upper tier quarterback. Uh, right now, I still have him sort of being the next Matthew Stafford rather than being, uh, you know, the next Tom Brady when it comes to winning. And I, I honestly always have questions surrounding a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. as to whether or not he's good in the locker room and really can help a team win uh, as much as he can pad his stats. So to me, I would put the Browns down in the playoff tier. Not by much. It's close. I can see your arguments, but you know, I'm I'm not sold that Cleveland is one of the best five teams in the league heading into this season. Well, the other of my top five, and I have them as number one ahead of the Buccaneers. I think the Green Bay Packers are going to be the best team in football this year. So you got a 17-game schedule. I think 14 wins is very doable with this roster, with Aaron Rodgers back. To me, the, the, the Buccaneers are the team to beat because they are the reigning Super Bowl champions. But I think the Packers have it within them to be better. If their defense can get clicking, as we both think that it should and will, Green Bay, I think, you know, every year for the last few years, there's been that one team that they're just mean and you don't want to play them. And like when you watch your team play against them, you just want to cry. You just want to take your ball and go home and say, <laughs> quit hitting me, please. <laughs> I think that I think the Packers led by Rashawn Gary and Zadarius Smith on defense with Jair and Darnell and Adrian Amos with some better linebackers in there with TJ Slayton up front with Kenny Clark there. This is going to be a really scary team to play. I think they're going to make a lot of people cry. I like your outlook. I like the way you think. The only reservation I have, and I have the Packers in this tier, but 14 wins in 17 games with the defense adjusting early early in the season to a new coordinator, maybe it'll be 12 or 13 wins rather than 14, and I know I'm nitpicking a little bit, but the, the key to me is are you playing your best football in January and hopefully February, and I think the Packers will be. And that's yeah. why they're going to be Super Bowl contenders, even if they're not going to win 14 or 15 games. Well, and I'll point out to you that the majority of their tough games come late in the year. Yes, they when do. You, when you think here's the tough games they have early on week one, we play the Saints. I think that'll be challenging, but I don't think the Saints are going to be a great team. Week three, you have the 49ers again. That could go either way. Like, yeah, they definitely have the pieces there to be a horrific horrible team to play that you just you just want to die but they also could be bad again and then uh, after that you have the Steelers in week four another team that like that's a really tough defense 
and a, you know, halfway competent offense. If you can run that gambit, you got three tough games in the first four weeks. But if you can do that, it's smooth sailing for a long time. You got to hit the the Cardinals in week eight, the Chiefs in week nine, the Seahawks in week 10, and the Vikings in week 11, the Rams in week 12. Like it, it, It's tough. You get a bye in week 13, and after that, it's like kind of smooth sailing. I think, I think the Packers can get it done. Uh, they play a bunch of good teams, but I like that because I think – if you're playing tough teams all year in the regular season, you're ready for tough teams come playoff time. Absolutely. Iron sharpens iron. So give me the tough regular season schedule. We saw what happened last year when they had the the easiest schedule in the league and they got the first round by. They got home field advantage. It wasn't enough. All right, well, let's try it this way. Let's play the really tough schedule and see if it can make us into tougher men. Hey, bring it. I think this team is going to be right there at the end, and I'm looking forward to this season in a big, big way. All righty, folks, that does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask us questions. Or you can email us at askmohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com